All right, welcome back to another EDU podcast. I'm Jack. I'm Ty. And today we're going to discuss buzzwords in education, kind of something that's been, I think the last 10 years has been really popular. I think so. Um, Before we start, I want to make (laughs) sure that everyone out there knows that Jack and I are not authority figures on any of these words. No, no, no. This is all just speculation. And um, our understanding of some of these things literally can change on a dime. What we think about, um, say, innovation today could completely be something else tomorrow. So, um, so yeah, 100%. Some of these words, I mean, they're going to have different meanings. They're going to change. And for everybody, they're going to be something different. Um, so we really, we just want to kind of address... Uh, we hear buzzwords constantly, especially in our job in technology. We're constantly hearing buzzwords daily uh, about in and of thing. It, it could be instruction, it could be technology, classroom management, anything. So this is kind of just something to us discuss that. Um, buzzwords for me are just that. They're words. I don't necessarily don't take much stride into them. You know, we Ty and I have both been in education for a little for a while, so. I guess if you were coming in and you were brand new, it might take more stock. You know, you might hear the newest boat of a word or something and hear it and it might really affect you. But uh, now there's words, but we just kind of want to break them down and see what are they, what do they mean? Yeah, you know, I think uh, buzzwords to me is are, are things that are on trend. And I think um, in our social media days that we are in, um, everybody wants to be trending. In fact, it's fun to talk to kids in schools because they want to have that next viral video or that next viral moment. They want to be trending. And so I think as educators, we're almost, uh, we're like that in a sense. Um, We want to um, stay on point. We want to keep up and we want to make sure that, um, that we're not losing touch maybe. Um, but some of these words uh, that came to mind, we made a list of our differentiation, scaffolding, growth mindset, a paradigm shift. Uh, what else, Jack? Uh, there's guided reading, deep learning, blended learning, genius hours, a big one, um, innovation, in, uh, integration of technology. Uh, I know there's a huge push for flexible seating now. Flex seating. Se- Gotta yes. have that cool furniture. Sitting in straight rows is not working. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, but flex seating. Flipped classroom is another big one. Uh, we talked about makerspace as well. That's a huge one. But I guess that can be up to what you want it to be. I don't really know what a makerspace looks like. I don't know what it has in it. I mean, every time <laughs> I've seen a couple of them, and they're all different. It, yeah, it's what you oh, make of it, right? Else there. Uh, but so we really want to kind of talk about why why are these words so popular? Um, and in my mind, I, th- I think it just goes with um, trying to keep up, trying to keep up with the other people around you. You know, in education, it's not necessarily uh, we can keep up with technology or buy technology, but essentially we all kind of have access to the same thing, hopefully. Uh, but why, why are these so popular? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to stop you right there. I don't think there necessarily is equal access to everything no, all but, the time. But take, you know... The iPhone, for example, it's out there and people go buy it. But so we all have access to it. Now, whether we can afford it or not, that's a different story. But it's there, and we can we all have access to do it if we want to, if we can, right? Yeah. That's the kind of what I was thinking. Of. That's kind of what I was thinking. Okay. Of yeah. But why why are these so popular? What do you think? Um, you know, I think it, it got me thinking about, um, you know, take the makerspace for example. I've heard about it probably for two or three years now. Um, I can't say that I've ever created a makerspace by myself 
Um, I know that there's a big push for uh, these spaces to pop up in libraries or maybe some extra classrooms. And so um, I wonder, yeah, do people want a makerspace just because they heard about it and they think it's cool? Or why do people, why do they use those spaces? And I think it's a place, the idea sounds cool, right? Where kids can come in and they can take all these materials and they can create something that represents their learning. Isn't that the idea? Is that your understanding? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. There's, def- I mean, I've, I've definitely seen different space, uh, different things there. I mean, I've seen 3D printers, 3D printing pens. Um, I've seen kids make bracelets. They made. I had the kids in the sixth grade. They made best friends bracelets. Nice. So I mean, I, I guess that's what a makerspace is. I don't know. One of the coolest makerspaces I've seen was at the Google offices. So oh, okay. they have um, this space with huge work tables and sewing machines and wood and materials and all that. But my understanding is these people are going to go there and they're going to, say, make a prototype to test something out. And so I wonder if that's maybe what people are really using these spaces for is do we take a learning objective and give kids the opportunity to make something to demonstrate their learning of that? To me, it kind of has uh, roots that goes back to uh, the constructivist uh, learning theory, right? That we have to make, create our own understanding of something. And so I think if if that's really what a makerspace is used for, that's awesome. But I think what I've probably seen most is, hey, let's just throw a bunch of Legos out and let kids have fun. Let's just play. So yeah, um, I mean that's kind of what I've seen. I didn't the Google thing was pretty. It's pretty interesting that they actually have a makerspace there. Um, I think that's kind of awesome, but a little bit ins- and weird at the same time. I don't know how you'd see that at work, but to for, for teach their own, I guess it works for them. That's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, so the the biggest question we kind of have with um, buzzwords and in our kind of thing is what what really should our focus be? Um, you know, I think. Our definitely our focus should definitely be like solid instructional practices and we should know that something's working but if we do have a buzzword we have something to like take differentiation for example um getting what's the first step is it and i think it's getting a good grasp of what that thing is before you implement it right but i think sometimes we get it gets mixed around we implement it and then we try to figure it out later yeah so i'm not sure about differentiation as a buzzword Maybe it's, it's a buzzword in the fact that people are hearing it all the time. Yeah. And so I well, think there's good reason why people should be hearing it because is there anybody out there who's going to argue that differentiation is wrong? That's a good one as far as, far as like a good point. Yeah. It, would you, um, is, you know, differentiation is individualized learning. You're, you're individualizing the classroom instruction for those students. So would you, yeah, would any, I don't think anyone would assume or, or say that it's wrong but it's not wrong but i would say it definitely is difficult and i think it it's probably misunderstood yeah, um 100%. and and maybe that's because we're just throwing it around throwing it out there like hey everybody should be doing it but nobody really knows what it looks like or how to do it that's pretty true do do we do we focus on more is more better or less is more kind of a situation should we focus on more of these words at one time like I mean, I see growth mind. I mean, I'll tell you the ones that I see the most of. I see the most of differentiation, growth mindset, growth in general. We want kids to grow. Um, teachers to grow, right? We have yeah, to. Yeah, we want teachers to grow. But that, that's such a subjective word, though. How do you measure that? 
is very difficult yeah. to measure that, How do you right? measure this? Now, and, you know, take a teacher, say a first-year teacher, right? You have a first-year teacher. Obviously, from year one to five, you're going to see it. If you saw them first year and didn't see them again for five years, there's going to be growth there. But how do you measure that five years of growth? How do you measure it going through? And same thing with your students, right? How do you measure that growth? Obviously, we have standardized testing, but is that the... No. You know, I don't know. I mean, is that no, the end all go end back, all? No, go back to the teacher in five years. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I would hope that that teacher has somebody that they can go to and talk to and and kind of question them through that. And so um, maybe if you ask them, go back to your first year of teaching, you know, think about what that was like, and you can ask them, how have you grown? Um, It'd be interesting to see what the teacher puts value in, so what they consider to be growth, um, because is it growth in test scores, like you were saying? Is it growth in... Um, maybe their idea of what professional learning is. Is it their technology skills have grown? Um, can they handle kids better just because they have more experience? Um, you know, I'm not sure. No, I mean, that's a, a good point. It's kind of like, as far as teachers, we, and I think it's interesting, we measure our growth, obviously, from year to year, right? But what's the X factor there? We're not, cha- I mean, maybe we're changing, we're doing something different as an activity or, or, or a skill, we're learning new skills. I mean, we only have our students for like nine months or so. Mm-hmm. So measuring that growth in a nine month period. So say you had a, fir- you know, obviously you could you could probably, you could definitely measure growth on a first year teacher from, from August to May. But I think over the course of multiple years, it's gonna be a, a obviously a bigger dramatic impact, right? So I think of um, kids that I taught, because I would ask myself, I would ha- or I would tell myself, convince myself that I will have been successful with my students if they know more on the last day of school than they do the first day of school. Yeah. That's right. Good. But how naive is that because what? They That's know true. they know more history, they know more social studies. Like mm-hmm. in the in the long run is that really what I'm after? I don't think it should be, right? So whenever I think of kids today, you know, have I improved their technology skills? Have I improved their critical thinking skills? Have I improved their, um, and, I don't know, their want to learn? And would you get, you said technology skills. I mean, I'm that probably, that's definitely something, I mean, I would consider that in the realm of buzzwords, right? We want innovation or integration of technology. What, um, well, and the only reason I say that I want to improve yeah. those is because my kids, I have them in eighth grade, so I know that they're going to high school, and I know that they're going to have to have those skills to be successful, not just in high school, but beyond high school. But um, Yeah, in that regard, it, with the integration of, you know, say, say technology is like a, is, it, I would say it's a pretty big buzzword, especially in, in you know, Texas, our area, um, and we definitely have to meet our students at, at their technology level, right? Because we have some kids that are they one, two years old and already using iPads. And yeah, some true. kids have never seen one. Well, the buzzword itself, integration of, do yeah. we really even need to refer to it that way? Do we have to be it, – it's difficult because I think it should just be something that becomes second nature and it's a resource that we have and we should be using all of our resources to provide the best learning experience for our kids. And I definitely think there's a, there's a disconnect, right? So technology in – Say your everyday life, your everyday world, right? It, I think it's second nature, right? I think it, for us, but for some people, it's definitely well, not. Well, take, you know, you want to, 
get a hold, you know, you want to get a hold of somebody, you want to look something up, you have a phone, you just use that, right? That's like your go-to. It's just second nature. Like if I'm like, I mean, Google it is a verb now, right? I mean, it, yeah. is it a verb? Sure. I'm not really good with parts of speech. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's a it's a it's an action, right? Google it. So I, I sometimes think about it. We're still in that phase where technology is, um, is kind of still a buzzword, but I don't think it becomes... For some teachers, yes, it's second nature. For a lot, it's not, though. But I think about if, say, I ask you to write a paper, once it becomes second nature, shouldn't your instinction be to be like, well, pull out a Chromebook? Yeah, if you That's what I'm gonna if do. you say That's what I'm gonna use. if you gave me an assignment that, hey, I need you to write a paper, the very first thing I'm going to do is open up a Google Doc, create a, an outline, yeah. and, and start typing my paper from there. Um, but if you were to tell that to somebody else, that's not yeah. going to be their first step. I uh, have horrible, horrible handwriting. Oh, my God, it's <laughs> awful. I mean, I remember in fifth grade. I can see it. Yeah, it's awful. In fifth grade, I had a teacher tell me it looked like my pen was trying to kill itself. <laughs> and it scarred me for life. I remember that to this day. So I like to type and write everything I can out. Um, and so, yeah, I think it becomes – these are good. The point I'm trying to make back to this is, yes, these are buzzwords and these are ways to – make something noticeable. Get people hooked. Get people hooked, yeah. But w- the point at which it becomes second nature, I think the buzzword phase of that is over and it's become a part of um, of you and what you're doing in the classroom or even who you are as a person. I mean, I have, you know, not to think it's funny, but I have teachers and I've, I've, I've pointed this out to them. They'll, they're like, well, that, I, I don't know if that's hard. I can't do that. And I'm like, well, you're holding an iPhone X. <laughs> so you can do this. And they're yeah. like, well, you're right. Uh, but yeah, going back to our... Um, one of the biggest buzzwords that I've heard, and I wanted the one we wanted to talk about was rigor. Rigor. I think that that is like a special that bring that conjures a special place in teachers. It's, rigor. It's a thing. Rigor is a thing, right? right? <laughs> I think the dictionary says that it's a noun. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, it's a noun. It's so a noun. The educate. I, I looked this up. The educational. We're gonna we're gonna have to give you both definitions because this is very interesting. So the educational definition is instruction, schoolwork, learning experiences, and educational expectations. That are academically, intellectually, and personally challenging. The personally word right there is really where it hit me. So uh, re- tell everybody where you got this definition. Oh, so I got this definition from I don't know. It was uh, it's and a website Edge um, Reform Edge dot something. So it was hold on. It was the glossary of education reform for journalists, parents, community members. Now I'm not saying it's right, but I'll say this: if I drop this word in the middle of a school and I said hey 60 staff members give me definition of this I'm gonna get 60 different answers so this is something that at least that I can say okay maybe it's right I don't know so why do you think the word rigor was introduced into education that's a great question uh, I would say it's a way to challenge our students and and raise the level of what of Raise the level of, of difficulty. In- so are we saying that at some point in time, we figured out that what we were doing in education was low level or not good enough or we I, can do better? I guess at some point. That's why this word exists, right? And so we have to introduce rigor and... Yeah. The word that struck to, struck me in that one was personally, though. And and I hate to say it, but it just kind of, that kind of takes me right back to differentiation. If you are differentiating in a classroom... It, aren't you aren't you implementing rigor by nature? If you if this definition is correct, let's let's assume it's correct, right? Okay. If if you're doing differentiation or differentiated classroom, right? Each student is getting individualized learning. Doesn't that personally challenge them? In a way. I 
I think if that were the scenario, yeah. it, it would be, yes. Yeah. Um, let me show you the definition that I found. I'm going to go to the, my good old trustydictionary.com here. Old school. And it says that rigor is strictness, severity, or harshness as in dealing with people. Um, and I keep on, I'm going to go through the, the other definitions too. Um, you know, we've got something about weather, um, pathology, the full or extreme severity of laws and rules, severity of living conditions, hardship. So the actual definition of rigor, I don't think is what um, education had in mind. In fact, I came across uh, this uh, blog. Uh, it was a blogger for Ed Week, I think. And uh, she was calling rigor a four-letter word, a nasty four-letter word, um, because I don't think what... I don't think we intended the word rigor to um, take on that negative conversation or that connotation. That's, that's another great point. Are, are, are some of these buzzwords getting a negative rep? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah. I think they get it. And so, but it, I thought it was interesting because what she was saying is that, you know, whenever they introduce the word rigor, that we were saying that, our kids can be great. Our schools can be great. We can keep on challenging ourselves. And I noticed that the word challenge yeah. is was it's, in your it's definition, in my definition, right? That's right? Yeah. So I think rigor is just something that we should mindful of. That we have to challenge our kids. We have to challenge ourselves. And if it's challenging, does it, doesn't that mean I, that it's a rigorous? And, and and part of the whole thing is I really don't think that. To academically and intellectually challenge your students, I don't think you need a buzzword. That's just great practices. That's, oh, sure. that's just something that should be sure. going on every day. Yeah. And the fact that, and I hate to say this, that any of these buzzwords uh, incite some sort of either, you know, one of the things we talked about um, also was eliciting, how, how are these buzzwords eliciting hatred from other students? Is it FOMO? Is it fear of missing out? You know, I, are, are teachers hearing these words and thinking, oh, I'm going to miss out. I got to get on this. But they don't quite understand it. They're just trying to go with the flow. I don't know. Uh, I think to an extent it is definitely fear of missing out. Um, I feel like in my job of technology, right, as facilitators, that I feel the pressure of having to know a little bit about everything. Because, so I have serious FOMO when it comes to definitely technology trends because I want to make sure that I can hold conversations and help people with anything that they come to me with um, because I don't want to turn that down. But instead, I think what I should do is probably um, just be open to learning with people and be okay with not knowing all the buzzwords and all these trends out there. Um, but, you know, it, it makes me think, um, like, how long was a makerspace a thing yes. before it got around to me, right? Probably it had been around for a while. Who knows? So, it, it, it could be around for years so, and years and years. So let's let's do let's do an example of timeline, right? Say you heard of say makerspace becomes a thing, right? And obviously anything takes traction to get going, especially in education. It takes time, right? It takes time to get there. Yes. It's not like social media where it goes viral over one day. No, right. It takes time. Obviously funds and a, a, a bunch of different factors come into play. But so say makerspace came out, right? Three years later, it becomes a thing in your district. It takes you two years to get funding for it. So now you're five <laughs> years into this thing, Makerspace. Yeah. Say so then you implement it on the sixth year. And is it old news by the sixth year? Are you are you out of touch by then? It's what's the um I you know talking about integration of technology. 
Um, some some a lot of our classrooms are already putting um, TVs. They're mm-hmm. putting TVs in instead of projectors. And I heard someone say that if you're putting projectors in, you're five years behind. But there are still districts that are putting projectors in. Sure. So it, it really just goes with what are you... What's the purpose behind yeah, what you're doing? What's the purpose? What are you going to focus on? Um, is maker... You know, I definitely think that maybe we... Maybe in education we kind of do... Maybe we do too much. Maybe overcomplicate things. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I've got an idea. Okay. So it t- we have Bloom's taxonomy on the list. Yeah. Okay. I remember in college, right, early... Not that early 2000s. Not too long ago. Not yeah. To so say uh, <laughs> 12, 13, 15 years ago. Um, Nothing. Yeah. So Bloom's... I remember learning about Bloom's in college. And I remember thinking when I'm, you know, in my CNI class and I'm, I'm looking to see, okay, what level am I asking this question and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. We probably need to look up what year Bloom's taxonomy came out. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure it's been around for a while. Yeah. But do we still consider Bloom's taxonomy in class? Oh, I mean, I saw it this year. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And so because I think we understand and recognize that there are different levels of questioning, right? The different, we have a, another one, the different depth of learning. Yes. Um, and so that level well, of question, it's still it's if, still valid. If Bloom's has been around for 15 years, is it a buzzword? Oh, by way that? more than that. Or more, say 20, 30 years. Is it a buzzword at that point or is it just something you do or good practices? And that's kind of that's definitely a, uh, uh, I think a, a personal choice, right? It, to where you have it becomes a buzzword. It's new. You do it. It becomes a, a thing in your bag that you yeah, can I, use. I, it becomes our bread and butter. It becomes right? our bread and butter, and then you move on to the next thing, and you just keep adding things. So, uh, and I think I think it's it goes with like maybe po- pessimistic and optimistic ways of viewing things, right? Mm-hmm. If you view buzzwords as just another thing you have to do versus something new that you're learning mm-hmm. how does that affect your use of it like differentiation for example when we go back to that one if you see if you view this as hey this is something new this is something i can implement or i can try and have in my bag of tricks or have in my classroom does it become useful to you then at that point you know all all of these things let's say we were to try um, all these things right maybe in my classroom i want to get a, a rolly chair that kids can bounce on and and I want to um, have a genius hour, you know, yeah. time in my class, and and I'm shooting for deep learning and rigor and all that. Um, you know, I don't think that um, that that's a bad thing. I think that knowing, uh, finding out about what these buzzwords are all about, um, you know, learning about them, and then implementing what we can, um, maybe a little bit at a time. I don't think we have to go full on into um, one of these topics just because everybody else is doing it. I think you find what works for you and be open to learning about new things as they arise. Yeah, I mean, definitely sometimes sometimes we overuse them or we beat them beat them uh, to death with, you know, implementing them or, or, or just hearing them constantly. But they are uh, at the root of it. Nobody comes up with a buzzword or start something new in education with any kind of malice intent, right? It's one hundred percent. No, yeah, it's one hundred percent the goal to uh, better our students, to have them leave and be better people. Um, and even even some of these, I mean, really, if you were to implement them, it's really not. I mean, some of these, even if you did it badly, it's still great. Um, if if you, you learn from it, yeah, if you learn from it. I mean, I've had lessons and I've had things that I've done that 
maybe the actual content of the I'll use another one, collaboration, right? That's another big one. <laughs> um, my kids were collaborating. They were working together, and they were working on they were working on a Google Doc together. Now, the lesson itself, the content of it, they probably didn't get much out of it. It kind of bombed. But if they left the room knowing how to share a Google Doc, knowing how to collaborate on it together, is that a win? Well, think about what you can do next time. Yeah, exactly. Right. So they have that practice under their belt, and I think that's where – um, we need to ask ourselves, what should our focus be? Um, in terms of any time we, we hear about something and when we want to try, try it out, um, what is our focus? What do you think? I think our focus is, uh, I think daily it's just be being the best version of yourself that you can possibly be, right? I mean, that in anything you do in life, um, especially if you come, especially working with kids and being a teacher, it's such a, uh, um, it's such a vast, has a huge scope as a job. You it know, is. And you're not necessarily just a teacher. You're sometimes part parent. You're part, you know, friend. You have to listen. Mm-hmm. So I think in anything, um, take buzzwords, use them, learn from them. Um, I would I would encourage you to kind of change your mind if you are very negative about them or you or you don't, you know, you don't want to hear the the newest buzzword. I would I would challenge you change kind of change your mindset. See as an opportunity to learn. Yeah, I think we need to be open. Um, if it's anything that could have a positive impact on just one kid, oh, I yeah. think that we could deem it worth it. Um, I also think that our focus uh, should be the learning at the end of the day. Make sure that kids are learning what they're supposed to be learning. Um, but all of these things can just be a different way or a different route to meet that goal i think back to what you just said you know if you can impact one kid if you if you listen to anybody who's retired as a teacher they never will tell you i had this class of this you know 80 kids of this year that i impacted it's always one or two kids it's always a very small number of kids that truly come back and like tell them you impacted me you changed my life you you know did something really great for me and it may have been with a buzzword it may have been with a makerspace you never know (laughs) it could have been (laughs) right that's where they discovered their love for yeah you know who knows what it could be and and that could shape their life and put them on a path that that we never would have thought if we don't expose them to new opportunities. You know, and if, if you, let's say, I'll just use this. You say you try flex seating or you try Genius Hour or any of these things, and maybe you just show a, a, a student or even another, even a coworker, what's possible. Yeah. What's possible, what you can do. Um, maybe a kid finds, you know, some love of something in Genius Hour that they never thought they did. They can explore and, and find out what they're passionate about. And that's another great thing is what, you know, what are we, are, are, are any of these things really helping our students discover what they're passionate about? And I think if anything, if, if any of them help your students discover what they're passionate about or help them grow, or, you know, grow in any kind of way, then none of them are bad in my Yeah, in I my think mind. whatever creates that spark. Yeah, of course. Yeah, whatever creates that spark. Um, but let us know um, what you guys think. We, uh, talk about buzzwords. Maybe have a conversation with a coworker. Kind of see what they think about it. I we talk, Ty and I did talk to a couple different people to kind of get their input on it. Um, and not it wasn't all bad. It was a lot of good. Uh, but yeah, have a conversation around it. Kind of see where your coworkers feel. If you don't, if they, if maybe 
maybe they're using buzzwords and you don't understand what they mean. Maybe and that's a good yeah, chance to yeah. ask them about it. Yeah, have a conversation. I'm looking forward to, uh, in a few weeks, we're going down to San Antonio for TCA. Yes. Uh, there's going to be a lot of buzzwords, I'm sure, thrown around oh, down yeah. there. And, uh, a lot of buzz technology. Yes, hopefully I, I can pick up a new one and, and uh, I don't know, I'll tweet about it. Throw it and, in my bag. Yeah, tricks. put it in my bag. Um, and, you know, if it may not be, some, it may be something that we've never heard of. Uh, hopefully it's not three years old already. <laughs> right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we're on the front end of we're that. We're on the front end of that. But uh, thanks for listening and appreciate all your all your support. Um, we'll catch you right. next time. Catch you next time. Bye.